Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Dennis Snow, a former Disney executive and customer experience speaker, consultant and author. Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be participating in the show. So you're here today to share some of your experiences working at Disney and what other businesses can learn from their approach to customer love. Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Sure. Uh, Well, as you said, I I worked at Disney for uh, Disney World, the one I'm in Florida. So Disney World, the one here and uh, worked there for 20 years. Uh, It was wonderful 20 year experience. And then I went out on my own and now I do speaking and training and consulting Uh, all around customer experience. That's what I focus in on with a variety of industries, just about everything that you can think of. And uh, I use my Disney background as a a foundation for what I talk about, but really more importantly, help transfer those principles to whatever organization that I'm working with so that they can apply them within their own operation. Fabulous. And I'm sure everyone listening will be very interested to hear about your experiences at Disney shortly. Um, Before we dive into that, uh, though, as tradition on the show, to get things kicked off, I'd love for you to share a time recently where, as a consumer, you experienced customer love firsthand and really what impact that had on you as a consumer. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's there's quite a few. I mean, you know, I really do focus in on this when I'm a customer somewhere. Yeah. Uh, My son, who works with me in, in my business, uh, there's a sushi restaurant up near our house, and uh, we go there for lunch every now and then. Uh, the first time we went, we had a great meal. We had a wonderful server. She was she was just wonderful with everything, her expertise, uh, her attention to detail, uh, her friendliness. It was, it was terrific. So about three weeks later, we decided, okay, let's go out to lunch. Let's let's go to that sushi restaurant again because we had such a great experience. And we walked in, and the first thing she did when she saw the same server when we walked in, she said, hey, guys, welcome back. You know, it's great to have you back. And I thought, oh, that's pretty nice that she remembers us. We sat down, and my son, Danny, he uh, couldn't remember what he had the last time. I remembered exactly what I had the last time. And Danny said, what, what did I have? And the server was standing near us. And she said, well, you, and she pointed to me, had the uh, lunch special. And you, and as she gestured to Danny, you had the the dragon roll. And that's exactly what it was. And, you know, she remembered this from from three weeks ago. And that was just a moment of of customer love where we really felt uh, important. You know, hey, she remembered us. And so consequently, when we have those times of say, hey, let's go grab some lunch. Nine times out of ten, that's where we go, and it's just a little sushi restaurant right up the right up the street here. But 
I'll never forget that experience because uh, the first experience was fabulous, but that second one really made us feel good that that she remembered us. And uh, I think that's a key element of customer love is when you feel important. You know, you you feel like you're important to the to the organization, no matter how big or small that organization may be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And something as small as remembering, which is very impressive, by the way. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. I, I don't want to downplay it, but something as small as, you know, remembering what previous yeah. customers had ordered, as you said, really kind of makes you feel special in that moment. Um, and it's interesting what you said, actually, at the start around kind of noticing um, or looking out for customer love, because yeah. obviously you're in that profession as well. I, I kind of, um, certainly myself, since sure. starting the podcast, are doing the same thing now yeah. as well. Um, and it's always nice when you experience it yourself. I look for examples of customer unlove too, you know, <laughs> because some of those stories can be pretty funny, but, but uh, the customer loved ones feel good. You know, those, those feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's dive into this. Um, so to get things off, as we, as we said at the start of the show, I'd love for you to give us a kind of flavor of that 20 years at Disney, share some of your experiences uh, and some of the key lessons that you learned working at Disney. Yeah, sure. Well, I started, I, I was 19 years old when I started working there. It was 1979. And I went to Disney World for what was going to be a three-month job. That was my plan, was I was going to be there for three months. Ended up staying for 20 years, which is a very common story. If you if you talk to any of the management at Disney World, they'll, they'll say the pretty much the same thing. Uh, the first thing I did was I was a ride operator. You know, they have the attractions there. And there, there used to be a ride called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea that was a simulated submarine ride. So I drove the submarines at 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Worked at a, a ride called It's a Small World. And if you're familiar with that, I heard that song eight hours a day. That was the longest six days of, or six months of my life. And uh, so then uh, a couple of years later, I was promoted into management and uh, then managed different operating areas around Disney World. So out in the, the parks. Uh, and I found out one of the things that I really was fell in love with was the employee development side of things. I call their employees cast members, but employee development side of things. And an opportunity came up to go to the Disney University, which is the internal training arm of the company. So I managed that for uh, a few years. And then we spun off a division called the Disney Institute, where organizations would come to benchmark with us uh, around best practices, whether it be customer service, leadership, and those kinds of things. That was fantastic. Did that for a few years. I hit that 20-year mark, and that just felt like a good round number. They said, okay, if I'm going to do this thing on my own, now's the, the time to do it. So I went off on my own and started my own company, uh, not knowing if it was going to be a success or not, but it turned out to work out very, very well. So that's what I've been doing ever since, is working with other organizations in how do we provide that loyalty-driving customer experience. And I've worked with everything from healthcare, financial services, retail, funeral homes, you know, and everything in between. It's It's been a wonderful education for me because I learn about all these different industries while trying to help them improve their experience. I love the fact they call this employees um, cast members. I think that's just such a nice yeah. touch. Well, that's a good point. And, and I some people think that that, oh, that's kind of cute, you know, that Disney does that. That's a business strategy because they want their employees to know it's not about the tasks. 
you know, sweeping the streets or whatever the job, whatever it may be. The job is to create that excellent experience. So you're part of a show, you know, you're a cast member, you're part of a show. And that, that, that provides a different mindset for you as, as an employee. And so it's, it, some people might say, oh yeah, yeah, that's kind of, kind of cool that you do that, but it's really a business strategy. You know, and they use the terms on stage, backstage, good show, bad show. It's all it all works together in creating that mindset of what we're trying to create here. I absolutely love that. We're going to go into yeah. the employee experience a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but something you just mentioned there reminded me of something. We had a guest on the show a while ago uh, who went to Disney World and she said that one of her kind of standout moments from that was um i think it was just a cleaner i'm not sure like specifically mm-hmm. what his job was but he had one of these um water guns and obviously he was, he was cleaning various things yeah. with it and he drew i think it was goofy yeah oh yeah out of, out of the water and she said that yeah. her kids just absolutely love that yeah yeah well th- that's a great story because that started with one person that started with a custodial yeah. cast member who learned how to do that, you know, just started doing that. The reaction was fabulous. So now they've made it part of the training process for custodial cast members. So every custodial cast member can do it. You know, some of them do it better than others, but but they can all do it. And that's, a, that's an important point of taking some of those best practices of, oh, wow, look at what this person did and the, the impact that it has, and then weave it into the operation so that, all the guests get a chance to have that same experience. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, for the majority of people listening, they probably don't work at Disney or, or work for a theme park or anything that you would maybe kind of right. potentially deem as being as, as glamorous as working at somewhere like Disney or Apple, etc. So mm-hmm. um, what can organizations, um, regardless of their industry, regardless who they're selling to, what can they learn from an operation like Disney World? Well, I think the the first thing is, and this was something that was drummed into to us as cast members, but I think it applies to every organization, that products and services today are commodities. You know, no matter what business you're in, people have choices. They can find your product or service in multiple organizations. So we can't focus in just on that anymore. The products and services are important, but we can't focus just on that. It's the experience that you create from start to finish. So one of the things that they they reinforced with us and that we reinforced with our cast members is we are not selling rides. We're selling an experience. And so that includes from, from the moment you start planning your vacation to Disney to the moment you leave at the end, everything in between, that's the product. And you think about any organization, there's a process, you know, there, there's, there's a way that customers interact with you, whether it's face to face, virtually, however they're doing it, but there's a process involved. And it's that process that's so important of, do we make it easy? So I really say there's three things. There, there are three things that I think apply to any organization is number one, do the job right. You know, whatever it is, do it right. That's a customer's fundamental expectation. Secondly, make it easy to work with you. You know, make the process an easy process. Eliminate the friction points and so forth. Make it make it an easy process. And then the third thing is make me feel valued as a customer. So do the job right, make it easy, and make me feel valued. I don't care what business you're in. You can you can apply those those same three things uh, to to whatever business it is. 
And that's the driver of loyalty. So at Disney, you know, the rides are great. You know, the, the, so the quality of the rides, the quality of the shows, you know, doing the job right making it easy to do business with you, you know, keeping you engaged while you're waiting in line, making it easy to find your way around the park and then make you feel valued, you know, like drawing the goofy on the, the, the uh, ground as a custodial host, taking a photo for the guests so that the family's designated photographer can be in the, the, the photo as well, uh, commenting on what somebody has written on their shirt or whatever. Uh, those make people feel valued. And again, I believe it doesn't matter what business you're in, those three elements apply. What I find really interesting is that you might be forgiven for assuming that a business like Disney might not necessarily have to think as hard about customer experience, as counteractive as that sounds, because they're Disney. So it's kind of like people come, they're going to love Disney, they're going to see Mickey Mouse, etc. But I think what's interesting is that it's so clear how hard Disney have to work to keep these experiences up. And I think that's a good lesson for every business. You can't just take this for granted. You need to work at it. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're right on. Um, You know, it's going back to your statement is the reason that Disney comes to mind and, and is held in that kind of esteem for most people, not everybody, but for most people is because they do those things. It's not that they can do those things because they're Disney. You know, they did those things and have done those things. That's why they are held the way they're held now uh, is because they put in that hard work. So things that I would recommend to the listeners in terms of how do you make this then part of the, the culture of the operation is, first of all, identify what you want the customer experience to be. You know, what, what does that ex- excellent experience look like, sound like? And so thinking, what, what do we want that experience to be? The outcome of that then, and this is where the hard work comes into play, is making sure we develop our hiring systems so that we're hiring people that are wired to give that level of service. You know, so re- reinforcing the uh, the culture of the organization during the hiring process, making sure you're looking for people that, again, are wired this way, then training and communicating. So your onboarding process, does the elements of the culture that you want to create, are they built into that onboarding process? And then the ongoing training, ongoing communication uh, a question I get asked all the time is people will say, how long is the training at Disney? And the answer, it, it's from the moment you say, I want to work here to the moment you leave at the end of your career, you're surrounded by by messages of uh, of the, the experience and, and what we're trying to create. And then finally, uh, you know, we talk about employee engagement. You know, that's a, a hot topic right now is involve your people in how do we get better at what we do. You know, our, our frontline employees, they're the ones having that contact with customers and they're a gold mine of information. So when we talk about employee engagement, sometimes our minds go, well, we'll have employee parties, you know, we'll have, we'll have casual Friday or whatever it may be. That's, that's good, but it's, that's fluff. Real engagement is engaging your people in how do we serve our customers better. That makes them feel valued. That makes employees feel valued. And naturally, that leads to engagement. So the high, you know, hiring the right people, training and communicating relentlessly, and engaging our people in the forward movement. 
you do those things and you're creating this culture of customer experience excellence. They can't help but create that. Yeah, and I think from everything you've said, and it's probably no surprise people listening that uh, customer centricity is really kind of flowing throughout the entire business of Disney. And that kind of goes obviously from right to the top to the bottom. And I think some of the things that you mentioned there um, will hopefully help businesses who might not necessarily be able to um, kind of make these projects stick. I think a lot of businesses are trying to roll out or become more customer centric. Mm-hmm. And I think that these projects kind of come and go. They do. Are there, any more, are there any more points that you would add to that first part to help businesses make this stick for the long run? To any of the leaders listening, the, the ultimate uh, way to make this part of the culture is you have to commit to it. Mm. It's not going to change overnight. And what happens is, and I'm sure you've seen this, I've seen this, that you start saying we're going to be a customer centric organization and we're going and you you plan this big rollout and it doesn't feel like it's working immediately you know just it doesn't feel like okay so let's do something else and then that feels like it's not working then let's do something else you have to get over that period of time when people are thinking you know employees are thinking just wait it out it'll go away you know it'll, it'll go away so you have to be committed to it in the long run and get through some of those frustrating moments where you feel like it's it's just not working. Stay with it. So people then realize, no, this is the direction we're heading in. And the other thing that I would say that is important in all of this too is accountability. You, know, you want to weave customer centricity, as I said, into the hiring process, but also into the accountability processes. You know, whether that be coaching, performance appraisals, promotion criteria, you want that customer centricity to be a part of those formal accountability systems as well. And I find that people typically do what they're held accountable for. But ultimately, it comes down to commitment. You, know, you, you As a leader, you have to be committed to this in the, in the long run. You can't just look at it as a program and it's one and done because it just doesn't work that way. I love that idea, actually, of weaving it into things like promotion plans. So you're mm-hmm. looking at, you know, not just what your kind of expected target to be if you're in sales, for example, right. in your numbers, but actually weaving in those behavioral changes as well mm-hmm. and measuring it that way. I, I love that idea. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, what I find is people do what they are held accountable for. And so it naturally, a, a natural progression then is, okay, let's hold people accountable for giving great service. Now, we've obviously discussed some really cool examples of how uh, Disney employees have kind of shown customer love and customer delight. Um, And obviously, a lot of people listening, and and Disney, I'm sure, is the same, a very fast-paced, stressful environment. So what advice would you give to people listening where they can kind of maintain that customer love and customer delight in stressful, fast-paced environments? Yeah, that's a a great question. And uh, it's not about time. It's about the way you do things. So, for example, when I was working on the rides at, at Disney World, one of the, the jobs was loading people onto the attraction. So you're literally counting people. So at the submarine ride, it was 40 people that can go on each submarine. So you're literally counting people and keeping them moving through the line. So you have seconds with each guest, but you're expected to make that connection. 
So as you're loading people, you're making eye contact with them. You're smiling. If they have something funny on their T-shirt, you might reference that. Uh, we would look for when the kids would get their Mickey Mouse ears with the name, their name stitched on the back of them as they're going by. Hey, Bobby, how are you? And, you know, it would just freak the kid out because how did he know who I was? And the parents knew exactly how you did it. They thought you were wonderful. So it's not it's not about time. It's about taking a look at our process, the, the, the way we're moving people through our operation and how can we elevate each of those touch points just through the way we're doing things. You know, that fond welcome. Uh, you know, I, one of the things, you know, from a, from a uh, virtual standpoint with Amazon, you know, it's a welcome, Dennis. I see my name up in the right-hand corner. It has recommended thing, you know, things for me. And they've added these little moments during that transaction. And it just is a personalized moment through each of these, these touch points. And so, again, regardless of how you're interacting with the customer, it's not about adding things necessarily, maybe, but it's not always about adding things. It's more about how do we do those things. You know, I'm sure you've talked to companies on the telephone where you could tell it was just processing you. You know, they just want to get you off the phone. They just want to they just want to wrap up this discussion. And you've also talked with people who made you feel valued. And it was the same length of conversation, but just the the way they did it was different. So when you look at the fast paced environments, yeah, absolutely. Most they are now. I mean, our businesses, no job is easy anymore. And so it's not about adding money. It's not about adding time. It's about looking at how we do things. And that's where the involvement part comes in. Because uh, you pull together people in your team and you say, hey, how did you, give me an example of how you might have wowed a customer or where, where are we missing opportunities to wow a customer? And you start picking some of the best of the best of those ideas and then weave them into the, the regular process. Uh, that engages our people in actually making the business better. So it's a win-win. Dennis, we've covered some amazing ground today. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Um, just as a final question, um, bringing all this together, for companies that want to focus more on customer advocacy, what's one thing they can do right now to start doing that? Well, when I work with clients, many times one of the first things that we do with the, with the management team, with the executive team, is we have a discussion around what are three things, because this gets people into the, the mindset that we want them to be in. What are three things that you would want your customers to say about any interaction that they have with you, if they were telling somebody about it? Because that's really your brand. That, that's your brand is what people say or think about you. So what are three things that you would want them to say? So that really makes you focus on What's really important in creating loyalty if you focus in on three things? So, for example, we would say at Disney, uh, it was a magical experience. They paid attention to every detail and they made us feel important. You know, if, they, if guests say those three things, they're going to come back and they're going to tell people about their, their experience. Once you have identified those three things, then what has to happen in order for people to say those things about you? So if we want a guest to say they paid attention to every detail, then the park needs to look pristine. And so what that means is that every cast member needs to pick up trash off the ground if they see a piece of trash on the ground, if we want it to be pristine. 
it's non-negotiable. And it doesn't matter if you're a frontline cast member or uh, the senior, you know, the senior executive of, of marketing. If you see a piece of trash on the ground, it's your job to go over and pick it up and throw it away. It's a natural, again, a natural progression. So that would be my first suggestion to a group that's looking to be more customer centric. What do we want our customers to say about us? And then what has to happen in order for them to say those things about us? And then it, everything starts to fall together. And then you just keep moving forward and involving your people in those discussions, staying with it, you know, being committed to it. And then you have a culture of customer centricity. It's it, it's not magic, but it kind of feels like it at the end of the, you know, when you when you've actually done all these things. But it is hard work along the way. Fabulous, Dennis. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. I hope it was helpful to everybody. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast, hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.